Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode uh, 656. Oh, YouTube tells me it's got an error. That's great. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, anyway, let's forget about that. We'll carry on as uh, anyway. Uh, welcome. Uh, yes, yeah, Sonic Talk, which is a music pod technology podcast. We talk about all things to do with music technology, sequencing, uh, music production, live playing, uh, all the kind of things that go along with that. And it's all to do uh, with, yeah, making records, making tracks making beats, that kind of thing. In fact, uh, I want to say uh, thank you very much to our friends over at Isotope. Uh, we've actually, uh, that's the one we want, isn't it? Yeah, they're going to be giving you a 10% discount on all Isotope products. If you go to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk and use the code SONIC10 at uh, checkout, you can save 10% on all bundles and all stuff and ting. So even if there's already <laughs> a saving, we think there is. So that's actually pretty cool. So I want to say thank you very much to them. Don't forget, isotope.com forward slash sonic talk and that'll give you all the instructions um and also i don't want to uh, forget uh join our patreon been posting a few things up there in fact ed's uh fifth installment of 42 hp has been uh uh, posted today so that exclusive video that you get up there that's also uh posted so uh just only a couple of quid or four quid a month or dollar i can't remember how much it is actually it's not much so if you want to support us there that's all very much welcome and of course you can find uh, the podcast in all the usual places i think we're on spotify we're on alexa we're on uh Google Podcasts, uh, all iTunes, all of that stuff if you want to listen audio-wise, or of course you can watch us. This stream also goes up to uh, Facebook as well. So um, let's say hello to our guest. We're going to start over here. We've got Mr. Rich Hilton. We haven't had Rich Hilton for ages. Rich Hilton's over there in Connecticut where he mans the controls for the Nile Rogers music production empire, plays live with uh, Sheik. Uh, how are you, Rich? Are you well? Yes, thank you. I'm very well. And lately, I've been manning the controls of a snowblower quite regularly, ah, quite often, regularly. How is it? Is it, is it full-on, full-on New England snow where you are? Yeah, there's a good solid 18 inches sitting on the ground Oof. just waiting for more uh, you <laughs> wow. know, in piles. And, that, and the pile at the end of my driveway is well over five feet tall from a plow that came through the first time. Wowza. Um, so there's lots of snow about. And... Uh, Fortunately, the snowblower is working well, and I'm um, getting my steps in. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's a bit like kind of exercising in sand, isn't it, when you're working in snow? It's going to give you a bit of extra stuff. But it's lovely to have you, Rich. Um, I, you will notice we've also got lower th new lower thirds for everybody. They're just a bit more kind oh, of uh, a bit smaller. I feel they were kind of obscuring a lot of the screen. So I've just been tightening up the graphics. In fact, you can see here we've got our friends in the YouTube chat, which has now got a little new look to it. And there's a QR code there. If you scan that, that'll take you to our current live broadcast. Same deal with the IRC. I've tightened that up a little bit. And uh, we've also got our friends over on Discord, although uh, this, this aggregates YouTube. Uh, there's Discord and uh, Twitch, which you can watch over there as well. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, how are you then, Gaz? We've also got Gaz Williams, who's there uh, in uh, Bristol, uh, produ uh, pro music production guy mm. and bass player wow. and music technologist. Yeah. Is that a Waldorf KB37 you've got oh, no. behind you? What uh, are they just discontinued why that? that? Why have I left that in shot? Yes, that is my latest, uh, and I bought it because I, uh, Tom Synth Anatomy had sort of made a little post saying that they've just discontinued it, and I, I 
I'd been looking for something to do my, uh, I've been doing this Adventures in Eurorack show on a Monday. Um, I, I've just taken a little bit of time out from that, but it's going to be back on Monday. And I was looking for something like a small little case to put in front of me here rather than, because my my rack sort of grew a little bit too quickly. Um, and then I read that those things were being discontinued and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'd always quite fancied one. And um, so I got, I think it was the it was the last one in stock from Toman. Um, oh, lucky you! And the first thing I, first thing I imported since Brexit, so you know that was it got held up, and then you have to pay this extra import business and oh, on top of the tax. So I I fear that buying from Toman from Britain certainly at, at the time being, I'm not sure is such a great idea because returns are complicated. Should you need to do that? And oh, anyway. I digress. Oh, I don't man, want to get drawn down thought about, Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a very good show, well, isn't it? Yeah. What I would say about that, though, and this is something I'm going to go into in some depth on my show on Monday, but is um, that's 107 HP in that uh, Waldorf. And um, so I'd ordered it, and then it took a while to come. So in the interim, you know, I was going on modular grid and I was, uh, and then I was going through the modules that I've got. And, you know, and this is the first time that this has happened since I've sort of started to, you know, delve into modular that I thought, oh, let's, you know, oh, I could put this with this and this and, and actually build a custom instrument. Uh, I remember uh, Richard Nickel from um, Pittsburgh Modular telling me, you know, saying, oh, that's a great thing about modular. You could just build the synthy dreams. And I'm just going, I don't know what I dream about. I don't know what I want. <laughs> um, so for this, yes. this actually, I put it together. Together, you know, I thought, oh yeah, I could put that and I could put that and I put it all together. And then I put it together and man, I didn't stop playing it until 7 a.m. Wow. And from 11, 11 p.m. till 7 a.m. Just wow. okay. how, once I'd actually put it together. And uh, But I just want to say one thing, and then this is like just to rub people's noses in it, that the casing that of that thing is, is just top notch. It's heavy. It's solid. Yeah, it's, it's a, a good thing. Is beautiful and uh i just i i think it's sad that it's gone out of production i think that's a you know a a, a perfect product yeah a little bit I, well, on well, the I, wonder, side, I wonder but, what it is uh, that that those things to, i mean i guess it's the sort of thing it's like they have to kind of go well either maybe one of the parts that they made uh is be, uh, you know has been has to be resourced and it makes it more expensive again and they it's not worth it or right. they have to order you know 10,000 of them to to do it or maybe you know import and export has just become too difficult i mean as we I, you know. well but i mean I, you know so that i think they're, they're for around 650 pounds which is a lot for essentially a controller keyboard however well that's a case as well a case, yeah, and and and, a mo and it's got its own sort of built-in module as well uh, yeah. on the left-hand side. You know, you're justifying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are justifying. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say though is, once you pop the modules in there, it feels like a couple of grams worth of synth, which I guess it is with the modules. But but it, you know, the quality of it, it just it feels it, it just yeah, I'm blown away by it. <laughs> Well, I'm so. glad you are. I'm just trying to think. What have I? Well, actually, what I wanted to do this before I got anywhere else. You know, we talked about the Verse Lab, the Roland Verse Lab, and we were, yes. were really upset about the fact that it didn't. Yes, it, it it's wrong. I've got one here, and this. Yes. I mean, a it sounds really deep. It's got a 
Yeah. I don't know what they've it's done to the eight. D2As. It's got a really... But there are six... I can't show it. I didn't get set a camera up. But there are 16 phrase slots in it. So you can... And you can trigger them all... Well, I, I certainly can trigger four at the same time. And I recorded those samples from my... Uh, uh, Korg um, ah, NTS1. So you could do it line yeah. in and you get 380 seconds per project. So it's a big improvement in that way. So I would, I want to ah. say, I'm sorry, I got that wrong and I misrepresented. And I think 380 we, uh, seconds is still not enough. Well, Better than we thought. It's not enough. It's no, not it's enough. not enough. I agree. Anyway, yeah. I, I just want, I, I want my, to my hold my hands up saying yeah, wrong. I, yeah, fair play. I made mistakes there too, but but some of my rant still is valid, though. I just, okay. uh, as I say, I feel that they should make it unlimited recording time. Yes, SD. Well, I, well, I think it. everybody. Seems, <laughs> it seems to be the case with a lot of these things. This kind of streaming from cards seems to be something that's quite tricky to do. It seems to be something. I don't know, I Rich. Can you? There aren't that many things that you know will record and stream from SD cards. Maybe those SD cards are just too expensive. You know, maybe that technology is harder to do than we think. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know, except that I have a very old keyboard on stage that I can stream samples from a USB flash drive. Huh. And why it should be any different or harder to do than yeah. that is beyond me. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, my my boss RC five hundred five uh, Roland yeah. you know, from the Roland stable, which I love and think is one of the best things ever. That can record unlimited, well, you know, SD card length, you know, on and play back five stereo. And it's the same. You know, they must own the same code. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Anyway, and that's like ten years old technology. Yeah, ten years. All right. Anyway, one. let's get on. We've got some new stuff, which is actually based yeah. on not quite ten years old. Let's start with. Uh, well, wow. Got to check this out. Yay! The new circuit tracks, uh, which is an update to the original circuit. Um, it's same kind of form factor, but a poshed up kind of knobs and. Uh, better MIDI implementation, full-size MIDI. Uh, it's also got an SD card built in. It's also got, instead of those, I don't know anybody who used those sidechain tracks, it's got two MIDI tracks in place, so you could use the sequences for that. SD cards, so micro SD cards, so you can record. Uh, there's also a sync input, I think, or an analog sync. Some and a stereo input, so you can sample directly into it, and that is obviously something that's gonna be a big interest. But once again, <laughs> Anyway, this this was announced yesterday. They've been teasing it for a while. Uh, three five nine. So I think, and I think that was the same price as the original circuit. And the the circuit itself, you know, that has become. I think it was uh, Bo Beats did a video about it. Why he because he really he started out doing videos on the circuit, and for many it was this kind of gateway into electronic music because it's so easy to to kind of work with. So I, I don't know. Um, Rich, have you experienced the circuit? I'm wondering whether it's the sort of piece of equipment that perhaps you might not have come across and with your hands on, but it's, I can honestly say it's a really brilliantly designed piece of equipment. Um, I spent a bunch of time researching it today because it was a show topic. And also I saw it show up um, in the, I got an email, a promotional email about it. And then I saw a Richard Devine video in which he was using it. Um, and like everything else he does, it sounded like Richard Devine. <laughs> but, um, and nothing like any of these demos that, that uh, Novation has put out. Um, it looks, it's a very interesting product to me. I am torn about this thing because it's, 
it is first of all very clever in the way they've used the control aspects they've got to make a whole lot of cool stuff available it's sort of like taking second generation push to technology to like some other level where where you're launching clips and you can sequence things and you can probably perform things on those yeah definitely sounds on it and and uh you they've put these pads to tremendous use and they've it does a fair amount of stuff for the money and it looks like it's a very nicely designed and well-built product i don't know if it's for me but it's kind of like a giant vl tone to me and i mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing but love <laughs> yeah. and respect i it's, don't think that's a bad uh, that's not a bad shout actually rich i mean giant vl tone i mean it, it, <laughs> it has that utilitarian i mean i bought one um, because I was I was trying to get my live set together, and I was go I was I was I didn't want to get like a full workstation. I was going to go for a Volker sample, but in the end, I thought that would just be too fiddly. So I got a mm. uh, circuit which you can load uh, samples your own samples into, and that's what I used as, as drums, and it all synced up. I mean, it's a really and the synth engine it ain't bad at all. It's really quite mm. quite reasonable. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, I don't know how many note polyphony. I forget the uh, that. But. Uh, when they say. Everything you need to create and perform music, I have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, there's no drum kit, there's no guitar. <laughs> there's no sampling at all of, of, of audio in any kind of linear fashion. In other words, there's no, there, there's no tricks being, there's no uh, sort of, uh, how shall I say this, um, tractor type tricks involving audio that are incorporated into this product, but it's only 400 bucks. So I'm not complaining really, it's just, it focuses on things that are not keyboard playing and guitar playing, which is a lot of what mm -hmm. I do. No, fair enough. I know. What do you think, Gaz? I mean, I thought it sampled because yeah. it's got a stereo line in, or is that just for? No, it doesn't through? sample. I think there's going to be another one coming out uh, that's going to be more drum focused, but I think that will sample. Um, and whether the sampling facility will be unlocked, I got the original circuit here. Um, I was. Uh, I think there are some of the things that are worth mentioning about the the new update. I mean, the new look. I mean, this a bit makes this one look a bit chunkier. It's a bit more svelte. Yeah, uh, it's got the built. It's got the built-in rechargeable battery as opposed to this one has got a. Uh, ah, I didn't takes, spot that. Uh, you know, and also gone is the built-in speaker, <laughs> which uh, I don't think will be missed by many. But I, I always quite like that aspect of it. Um, but. Something to mention, though, I think, is the two extra MIDI tracks. Uh, those it's got MIDI in, out, and through, but the through can be switched to be in a separate out. So you know, both MIDI track, both MIDI outs can feed two separate uh, synths, uh, which is cool if you've got devices no through. Which I think ah, should be or I suppose, or the other, <laughs> or the other thing then is, is you can you can send the the tracks that you are recorded using the internal voices out of one port and perhaps and then the the the, the midi tracks out of another port maybe that would be that's that's useful mm -hmm. um so so i mean i would say it's very much evolutionary rather than revolutionary to the original circuit something that's oh, very really good. important for people to <laughs> to understand with it though is that it is um it's the same sound engine it's the same synth capabilities as the the Mark One, so when I heard about it, I was thinking, "Ooh, the in, the incentive for owners of Circuit One to upgrade isn't huge." I mean, I can imagine for some people, just those extra two tracks uh, is a biggie. Um, but the, you know, 
you you get in exact exactly the same synth. One of the things that they have done is that they've put little notations, uh, 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 little annotations to what each of the knobs supposedly does. They are macro controls, and and on a per yeah, patch yeah. basis could be well. And also, they've they've labelled it to to reflect the changes in firmware that made the version one kind of do more stuff. So yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. Um, but the other the the final point I wanted to mention though was um. The way that this works, that the circuit one is, you've got 32 um, projects that you can load in, and all of those 32 projects draw from the same set of samples, uh, 64 samples uh, that you can load in. Now, because of the SD card, there's a new like top layer like that's above the the. the ah, so you can you've got pro- more samples that you can load in per project. Yeah, yeah, so you've got 32. So when you bring that in, that means you've got essentially 32 times what this has got in terms of projects so uh so you can have a whole new set of samples and it takes about four or five seconds Ah, so it's not you can't be switching right mid-song or between what's what is it with ram is it too expensive i mean you know why can't they just put more put a couple of you know instead of a two meg limit why don't you just make four or eight i mean it can't be that much more expensive surely (sighs) Um, but I mean, you know, they keep into the whole kind of components thing, which works across the whole range of Novation products. So, uh, in terms of uh, like librarian, and oh, there's a new there's a new graphic editor for this, which I'm assuming that that will work on the circuit one. I haven't checked, or, or whether that will be coming. Ah, but, um, okay. Just just the editor, because because the, the the two Nova engines which are in this are deep. Synth yeah, engines with deep, an yeah. enormous amount of kind of legacy behind them too. So, you know, so this that was always the kind of thing about the the, the circuit that it was packing a, a pair of mega powerful synths. Synth, yeah, those uh, the, the synths can sound really, really good. You know, somewhat, you've just got to work on it. Yeah, and and and, it, and certainly in its initial phrases. Well, we had this issue, didn't we? I did the review of the circuit one when it came out, um, but but within a year or so, that original review was incredibly out of date because the updates to the circuit was stunning in terms of how they improved it so i think that novation have set a good precedent with the, the support of circuit so i think if anyone's on the fence i think yeah oh uh, yeah i i reckon i yeah. reckon those stereo inputs they're going to be introducing sampling i mean it's because they like to add loads of big firmware up to, and, it, yeah. and you know this as a platform that's why i was kind of mm. I, I made a, an assumption in the article i posted like oh presumably they've put more power in it so that they can <sighs> really make it do more things but maybe that right well, I think it's because this other one, this circuit, this other circuit, which uh, has leaked, but I, I don't know, you know. I don't know uh, anything about it. I'm completely out right. of the loop. So this other circuit looks like uh, that is focused more on the sampling side of things. And it brings to mind what Korg did when they reissued, well, when they brought back the Electrives, um, they brought out two, didn't they? They brought out one, which was... Uh, right. built-in synth engine and, and they were basically the sampling. same thing weren't they you could just yeah and then a little bit a little bit later in down the line they released firmware that made you choose which one you wanted it to be okay um, well i just want to put inky the cat has just said uh disagree nick third circuit rhythm will sample maybe so yeah circuit oh, rhythm it's called circuit rhythm is that what it's called okay I, I, I honestly yeah don't know. so this is circuit tracks and then i think it's circuit rhythm isn't it uh uh, yeah, so 
Yeah, but I mean that's not official yet, so we, you know, that's purely speculation. But, um, but, but, but from me anyway, I think you know because it's something that I've had quite a lot to do with over over the lifespan of the circuit. Um, yeah, I think this represents a sort of sensible upgrade. But whether people who already own it to upgrade to the next one will depend how much that you know those extra features will mean to them. But you know, if you're expecting it to be a big difference then it's not it's right. sort of you know sensible but yeah. i don't know i think I, well it says shop now i presume that means so if i press shop now what actually happens 359 find a store uh, I, two days yeah. okay so it's it's off right okay All right. i didn't realize i that. thought the original circuit was 300 299 i seem to remember ah okay maybe so but then that was that 5 years ago 4 years ago when it came 2015 out, so. yeah five, 6 years wow, ago more. wow well, anyway, it's a it's a cool little thing. So uh, I just wanted to to because that's a, I, I, and big shout out to Ricky Tinez for the he did all the video stuff. He did loads of the uh, video, so he got that gig. In fact, there's another track he, which are all very eighties. He's got like an eighties fetish, and maybe it just makes you want to do this stuff. But it's all like. Um, But anyway, good for him. He got he got the gig of uh, doing all of that stuff, so I'm I'm pleased for him. And he's he's well, he used to work for Novation. I remember I filmed him. I think he was showing one of the Launchpad XLs or something at uh, Nam a couple mm. of years ago, and he was my subject. And it was like, hey, Ricky, nice one. Um, right, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, right uh, now, this may or may not, Rich, uh, have a resonance with you. I don't know whether you're a KLF uh, uh, aficionado, or, but let's see. I'll play you a little bit of this. This is uh, KLF, who are legendary British um, sort of pop stadium house. They called themselves very disrespectful, very disruptive. They wrote the uh, the the. The uh, the book the manual on how to make a have a hit record which they actually did and followed and did have a hit record <laughs> yeah. or a couple of hit records Doctor Who and the Tardis or Doctor yeah. and the Tardis I think it was and this is uh, a re-release of the classic now uh, uh, what's it called it was called Ch the Chill Out album Chill which out, was yeah. really good this is called Dawn Come Down uh, and it's based on it's like an ambient journey through uh, through mm. America, and it's there's some really good stuff in there. And it, but I suppose it's right in the pocket of my era. I remember late night listening to uh, Chill Out and and having a real kind of I must make an ambient album and going out and recording mm. a load of stuff. And they did some really amazing stereo. But what they've done is they've removed all the samples they could get sued for and re-released it. Now KLF oh. are <laughs> big. Uh, well, they were bit, they were massive in America. I don't know whether or not they would have been on your radar. Uh, what time is love? Last Train's Track. They did the song with Tammy Wynette, uh, and and they did, legendarily did. Yeah, they did a, a Justified and Ancient. I don't know. Is this is this three a.m. Eternal? Any bells? Three a.m. Eternal. No, 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 I've never heard of these guys. Wow. Um, and <gasps> before we get too rooted in the idea that I'm nothing but an R and B guy, um, that's not true. I performed live ambient synthesizer concerts in the mid seventies. A la Take that, Dream, KLF. as close as we could get back then with the gear we had. And we did have some gear and some yeah. tape and some uh, live tape echoes and things. So I'm not unfamiliar with nor necessarily resistant to that sort of thing. That said, I put this thing on for 10 minutes, couldn't find anything in it that interested me <laughs> other than a train going by. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, oh, yes, uh, the train. God bless them. I can tell that there's resonance for this with you guys and with a lot of other people. And I wish everybody all the best with it. But it didn't speak to me. 
Oh, look, I just want to say Robarth in the chat room, uh, just a little token of admiration because I love Camembert. Thank you very much. That's Ah, very kind. That's a super chat. I'm not quite sure what that is. Uh, do you? Uh, oh, do you it's know because we is? did the video. Did I did that video earlier? Uh, ah, released earlier about Camembert Electric. I think. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, I know, guys. Did did did? Yeah. K- I mean, KLF. There was something. They were yes. like really naughty boys, weren't they? They did. You know what? Because they basically they they yeah. were massive. And they, they yeah. had this whole kind of, you know, they were quite ideal. It came out of the sort of squat culture from London, you know, this sort of uh, alternative yes. community. And what they yes. did is they, in 1992, after being massive, having hit singles <laughs> all over the world, they showed up at the Brits, yeah. Yeah. sprayed the audience with fake machine guns, oh, which is real. I mean, you know, that is edgy. Yeah, you know, I don't I, I wouldn't. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And then at the after yeah. party, they threw a dead sheep into the foyer of the Dorchester Hotel Drove off in their um, in their police car. It was an American police yep. car they used to drive, and then deleted their entire deleted. back catalogue and disappeared. Yep. <laughs> Whoa! So, um, I, this is a topic very close to my heart, so I'm going to have to try and be careful that I don't overstay my welcome on this one. But um, yeah, what I would recommend, and I'd recommend this to absolutely everybody irrespective of whether you like the music or not there's a book written um i'm just it's it's called k it's it's called klf um i'm just just gonna get the subtitle of it uh oh yeah the klf and it's um chaos uh the full title chaos magic and the band who burned a million pounds and it's written by john higgs who's one of the best writers ever in my opinion that book is an astonishing book. It's probably one of the best books I've ever read f- about anything. Ever. <laughs> Whoa! So yeah, okay. seriously, it's it is That's the book. A lot. It's, the book is that good, and everyone who's read it says the same thing. So yes, so read it, and then agree. You will agree. Now, the reason why I mention this is because it it really connects up a lot of things together, and it contextualizes what the KLF were all about and what they did. Now, I got to be careful here because you're not meant to mention certain things in public, such as Discordian, uh, the dis the whole idea of discordianism and uh the goddess eris and <laughs> wow all of the, right okay. okay now this all this all stems back from a chance encounter somewhere in america two guys in a bowling alley in the 1950s just happened to have a conversation and everything springs forth from there operation mind there it is bleep, bleep. operation mind bleep uh, and uh God, it's all, it all kind of has weird connections with sort of... Um, sounds all a bit... John Harvey Oswald. Oh, okay. Let's no, no, not get too... No, Lee Harvey Oswald. Let, let's not uh, get Harvey. too conspiratorial, right, right. shall we? No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's, no, they... Um, they wrote like a pamphlet, basically. They wrote a pamphlet in the early 60s about this anti-religion called Discordianism. And Discordianism, if you are an adherent to discordianism then you sow discord eris the god of chaos demands that Sounds, you it, but i uh, mean this is all sounding very current uh, if you get my drift so <laughs> i know let's let's, right. let, let's not right. go too far down this because no it, not going too far I, but no i'm going to get by give, give me a moment i need to connect things up here but this kind of idea of discordianism then the book the illuminatis um robert anton wilson and robert oh what's the other one the other robert um mid 70s where a lot of conspiracy theories are kind of derived from i mean it's essentially a fiction isn't it but you know it's um this stuff is deep 
and affects culture in all sorts of ways. Uh, Operation Mind Bleep is supposedly responsible for all sorts of unexplained events because uh, everybody who's acting out on Operation Mind Bleep uh, is not meant to talk about it, just does it and leaves it unanswered. It's meant to just sow the, the okay. seeds of discord. That's my background. Now, not my background, but the background to what I was just going to say. So the KLF, the whole justified ancients of Moomoo and all of the weird things that they did, the burning of the million pounds, it all ties into this, that they were kind of acting you know, it all follows this kind they're, they're of uh, that Discordian... Pr- yes. Right. And really, really, it's just a bit of fun. As yeah. I have a question. Being, so. Yeah. I have a question. What does any of this have to do with music or audio? Right. So the KLF, what they did was uh, they were... They thought it would be funny to infiltrate pop music using Discordian uh, principles. So they they'd released this book called the manual um uh, and then followed their instructions to the to, to the t and got to number one in britain with doctor in the tardis in 1987 oh, because they made uh, they made some hit record at some point that we haven't heard yet they made that, right? that that one they made by adhering to their own manual of how to get to number one and they, they did it and uh, um and then carried on and, doing and, and, let's let, and then Oh, hang on! Not uh, it's not fair. It's not okay. fair to, to 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 miss out on the good bits. Um, but the KLF, <laughs> the music itself, because there is good I'm music on the edge in of it. My and, seat. and chill and chill out. <laughs> the album "Chill Out" for me was like a massive, massive, important album. Um, and I think in part that was because it was something about how anything goes you can just use absolutely you can pull anything into that soundscape and um and create these kind of ambient sort of uh i mean you know i had i'd had some experience of ambient uh but 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 this sort of coincided in time with um the orb adventures beyond the ultra world and there's lots of kind of connectivity between these acts and um early future sound of london and various things like that as well uh where it just was like kind of making paintings, musical paintings, and just pulling in all sorts of abstract things and just kind of phasing in and out of it. And of course, this was the day of munted hardcore rave where everyone's gurning their face off and sort of, uh, and would end up in some little sort of chill out tent. And, uh, you know, and the sound of sheep and various things in that, in that chill out, it just put everyone kind of into, yeah, a, no, that's into true. a pretty good, into a it good was. place. Well, I, <laughs> Lots of references there to explore for yourselves. I've got the picture of the, that's what the, the book looks like if you want to explore that. But uh, uh, the KLF music is just, is is a lot of fun and quite irreverent uh, at the very least. Um, so um, I'm gonna, one last I'm, thing, I'm one gonna... last thing, Nick. Nick, one last thing, please, 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 please. Because you mentioned about the Brits Awards and I just wanted to mention this because you can go and watch this. Oh. <laughs> you could go watch this on... Um, YouTube, 1992, you get this Simon Bates, you know, Simon Bates was this Radio 1 DJ, the squarest of the square, um, going, and it's 1992, and it's the Brits Awards. And then the opening the opening of the Brits Awards, 1992, you know, and this is the biggest music kind of Yeah, it was huge back then, really. massive, televised, um, uh, live. The KLF had had the biggest international hit of the year back in 1992 with 3AM Eternal, and it was number one in 17 countries or something like that. So they were asked, the prestigious act, to actually open the uh, the Brits Awards with, with the song 3AM Eternal. 
unbeknownst to the organizers, the KLF enlisted uh, a band called uh, it, um, no, uh, Extreme Noise Terror. And uh, Extreme Noise Terror were a, you know, like uh, a kind death metal, of death yeah. metal band, which the general public had never experienced at all back in 1992. I mean, it's not that they've experienced it much now, but I mean, this is before that thing, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so they do this thing they do this performance they do this performance they, and it's the opening number and it's like oh everyone's there in their tuxedos in the audience so it's like, oh, and all this yeah and then and then so bill drummond from the klf he takes a he takes a um uh, a megaphone out and he starts calling out villains in the music industry over over this megaphone you know and this is the main event in the british music industry in the year and then that's when he goes and picks up a machine gun and sprays the audience with yeah, it's a real it's machine gun thankfully firing blanks and then they storm off the stage and then an announcement goes uh, the klf have left the industry right okay <laughs> Oh, one last thing. No, the come dead on. sheep. The dead sheep. Oh no, this is it. The dead sheep was meant to be brought on a stage in the Brits Awards, but ex uh, Extreme Noise Terror were all vegans and uh, absolutely <laughs> forbade it. <laughs> there we go. Right, lots there. of that. There's, there's, there's a lot of information there. So anyway, we'll. we'll uh, the KLF are quite significant. I mean, I think perhaps more resonant in the UK because they were, uh, like I say, they, they they have a lot of stories around them. Anyway, um, let's uh, let's move on to uh, video number four. <laughs> I'll press the four button. I'm the developer of a MIDI looping web application, uh, which turns your keyboard or electric piano into a live looping machine. So how does that work? Basically live looping is just building up different loops of sound. So I'm just gonna use the one of my keys that I've mapped on my keyboard here within the app. This is kind of interesting because uh, it's all in the browser but, uh, basically. Something like that. Um, and now this loop will keep playing via MIDI uh, basically nonstop and you can add more loops to it so. Little Steve. Anyway, he builds up the whole thing, but this is really interesting. I, I, I loaded this up, this MIDI looper. It uses Web MIDI. Uh, I think I've got it here. I think I set it up to be my keyboard. I don't know if this is this would work. It's probably going to be terrible because the latency is awful on this, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm playing some stuff. So, I mean, it all runs in the browser. Uh, I'm going to stop that because it will probably... Uh, let's mute that, yeah. But a really interesting idea. I don't know, Rich, if you've seen uh, the, some of the stuff that Web MIDI can handle is is getting really powerful now. And this guy, uh, Sven from MIDI Looper, is really kind of pushing the boundaries here. Did you get a chance to try this out? I, I didn't get a chance to try it with actual hardware MIDI because I think the, the latency between using the onboard synth in the web browser is a little bit kind of crappy. So, oh, we've... No, Stand I didn't up. get to try it out. I'm sorry. Ah, ah, okay. Um, but have you seen? Have you seen some of the the the? Uh, uh, this seems to have a, an unlimited amount of tracks, and it enables you to actually roll it around and just kind of keep. I mean, you know, the, the concept of looper. We've seen the MIDI looper in that pedal. I think there was a company that did a little MIDI looper pedal as well, and this allows you to route things in and out. So via the browser, the looper is just happening in the browser, and then you can come in and out via the uh, via the MIDI interface. And uh, so I think that's that's the thing that I kind of like about it. Uh, it. It seems like it's a very good, and accessible, creative tool.
But uh, I think I think you should talk to Gaz right now. Okay. <laughs> And one more thing about the KLF. Only no, joking. don't. Um, only joking. I was joking. <laughs> I'll get roasted. Um, this looks really good. Um, MIDI looping is something which is kind of becoming a bit of a buzz thing at the moment, really. Um, Bastel released that little MIDI looper, just a little small tabletop yeah, looper. That's right. and, uh, and it was a company, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of them now. Um, I, I featured them a couple of times in Superbooth coverage. Uh, where I interviewed a guy. Uh, and that was, uh, again, these are like hardware units. So um, so I think the idea of MIDI looping, which is kind of very obvious in, in many respects, I think is quite interesting how it's been very much influenced by the whole pedal looper craze of the last sort of 20 years, I suppose. But um, being in web MIDI, though, is... I think it's still quite interesting. We we have talked about web MIDI on, on a few occasions with um, just thinking it's largely under, probably undervalued as a as a resource. I'm assuming you need to use this in something like like Chrome. Um, I think Windows Explorer supports web MIDI, does it? I think um... uh, I'm not sure. I I I mean, I would hope that Microsoft would be moving into that direction because they have got uh, you know an entire sort of MIDI uh, push, and they're heavily involved in MIDI 2.0. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if it does, but certainly Chrome it works in, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm just looking now on um, Safari on my iPad to see if I can get it to run. Um, I think I can actually. So maybe things are improving in in that area, um, but yeah, I I mean I'd be quite interested to see what it takes to kind of trip this up in terms of you know how many notes it can handle uh, simultaneously because the, the tendency with kind of loopers is just to pile loads of stuff onto it. Um, so certainly could be quite an interesting resource to actually test out your uh, your computer and you know, to see if it's actually uh, going to give you... Yeah, a, I know, that's true. I mean, just a, just real a MIDI, world. Just a MIDI test, uh, a MIDI test system yeah. is actually, yeah. That's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Idea, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's as a kind of resource, I think it looks really useful. I'm just looking at it now and, um, you know, one of the things about looping that's a kind of in, an important thing, I suppose, is that, the, you know, the... the you're not meant to really deal with the device that you're looping with other than in a very, um, you know, you're meant to be really focused on your performance, whatever that is, singing, playing, guitar, whatever. Um, and this looks quite good in that it, 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 it's given you only very few limitations, but um, crucially, undo, redo, really important parts of, of, of the looping vernacular, you know, to be able to... Yeah, the, well, this allowed... I mean, I noticed that in this one, he was able to uh, root key commands, so you can really, really quickly... Or not yeah. key commands, but you can assign MIDI notes to actually perform those features. In fact, there's quite right. a lot of... Uh, I'm just trying to see whether there's quite a lot of little sort of settings wheels which allow you to kind of set up all kinds of uh, gubbins uh, in here. I'm just trying to find the other one. There was another one that I saw. Oh, yeah, keep, there's the MIDI stuff here. Keep, yeah, yeah so, nice. Oh, so, you know, it's quite, it's actually a really nice, I mean, it's a bit shonky kind of graphically, but it, functionally it mm -hmm. works really nicely and it's actually a pretty cool little device. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it's totally free to use and there's no... There's no restrictions no, to using it. it. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, just as as oh, yeah. as a it, it's an absolute the definite. There. I'm 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 bookmarking it now. It's a definite useful thing to be able to have just to for a whole bunch of reasons. Just like when you want to just sound check something or anything, just have a little looper there. That's super cool. 
be ace if they could combine it with an audio looper as well but maybe that's asking too that's much. asking a bit much for the browser i think isn't it yeah but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah well, well worth checking out i want to say thanks mm. to uh, midiera for finding that one who's uh, sourcing a few stories for us at the moment and it's actually it's that's actually good. pretty cool um Okay, so uh, I'm going to jump ahead to another topic, which was what have you discovered recently? Which, because we've all had a lot more time uh, to work with various, you know, our, our setups, maybe we've discovered something new or maybe we've found something that has uh, given us a little bit more joy, um, then uh, I thought that would be something that would be interesting to share. I don't know if, Rich, you've got anything that uh, that, that you've got to add to that, because I know that, I mean... I. I I know you've been playing the MPE uh, and, and the Roly, but has there been anything else that you've discovered that you've just kind of gone, oh, actually, that is way cooler than I initially thought, and it's given you kind of quite a lot of extra uh, source somewhere along the line? The most important things I'm doing and learning from right now have to do with the mixing I'm doing. Uh -huh. Also playing keyboards and, and polishing up my technique on MPE, but... but uh, I'm finding new ways, always. I'm always changing the way I work to try to challenge myself and see if I can find other, I, I just find repeating the same behaviors over and over again to get a desired result to be kind of boring. So I try to stay aware and current by constantly updating the ways that I work. And so sometimes that involves new gear. So I've got a couple of new plugins I've been trying out. And sometimes it involves concepts. Like right now I'm mixing typically with at least twice and sometimes three times as many different reverbs going as I ever used to use. And I have very specific uses for very specific reverbs right now that I'm really liking. And I'm liking the way they're coming together at the end and finding creative ways to make them come together as a sort of a, I don't know, Avalon-like experience in terms of ambience. I'm not specifically going for Clear Mountain's domain, if you will. Um, right. Using that sort of ability to create an ambience that doesn't wash out the clarity and the presence of what's cool um, and using different reverbs, as I said, for different things. And so among those reverbs are black hole and uh, um, uh, adaptive verb. Uh, in addition to the exponential reverbs I usually use, in addition to the sound toys reverb, which I love. So I'm, I'm just generally sort of improving my mixing skills and combining things differently. So I know so, that's a little bit vague, but it's no, not no, that's interesting. This piece uh, of gear answer that you were looking for. No, but. no, that's I find that really interesting. So, are you uh, have you have you changed your monitoring or anything, or is your has the monitoring enabled no. you to hear more, or is there just a sort of because uh, the like thing about mind. using lots of different reverbs is it's very easy to make it all mushy. So I mean, I mean the finesse is do you do, do you limit the kind of where they are in the stereo spectrum that side of things. Usually my ambiences are pretty fully wide unless I have very specific goal in mind in terms of placement physical in the in the physical spectrum of things. And as far as allowing it to overwhelm your mix, well, it's kind of like the telling the doctor it hurts when I go like this. <laughs> Don't do that, you know. Um but and one other thing that you point out though is with regard to monitoring. So I love my monitoring. I'm quite happy with it. It's a it's a coaxially mounted pre-sonus speaker called Sphere. And I think it sounds fantastic. And I really for the money. And it sounds great and I love it. But I'm using Isotope, and since they're a sponsor, I might as well tell you this. Uh tonal balance control too, all the time, uh checking 
my frequency spectrum, particularly in the bottom end, which I know I can't hear. There are aspects I can hear well enough to be able to make things have impact and power and sound deep. But as far as the specifics of what's happening below 80 cycles in this little confined space, it's anybody's guess. So I use tonal balance control too a lot while I'm working to make sure that I'm not to see where my bumps and valleys are and see if that's where I want them to be for this kind of music. So, because this was the one thing that we've, we've talked about before, the kind of idea of having visual mixing and using visual aids to be able to see the frequency. So that's something that, I mean, Isotope and other products where you can actually hone in. Is that what you're, are you finding yeah. that? Right. Okay, yes, I'm using tonal balance control to tell me the story about the parts of the spectrum, almost all of which are below 80 cycles, that I can't hear sitting right here with the speakers this far away like they are. Um, it's just that the space is boxy and it's made of sheetrock and it, there's nothing uh, deadening resonances in this room and it opens up way to the right and it's got a window right here and there's just so much wrong with it in terms of reproducing low end that I like to be able, it helps me to see. What have you I, ever considered I, not to overdo things? Have you ever considered sort of room correction? Because a lot of the modern DSP speakers will do that sort of thing in real time. And I was hearing somebody talking about the Genelec range that it, it, they they played it in sort of a horrible kind of crappy little cavern, it's, and it, it just suddenly sounded okay. Have you ever considered that? It's, I'm not sure. I need. I'm not sure I need it. In other words, I can hear just fine close monitored right here from. A certain frequency upwards it's just making sure i don't load up right the bottom octave and a half two octaves that uh that i'm I gonna just have need to, to be I, able to i'm see. gonna have to look into that because i can't hear i mean i've got a pair of genelecs here which are little and they're very old but i know them i just don't know what's going on in the low end so i'm gonna have to uh, on the subject of tuning a room i once attended a genelec demonstration of a surround rig in a pretty horrible room in the basement of TechServe in new york city and they played a bunch of surround material. They had one mic in the middle of the room. They showed how they did the correction on the whole surround rig in the boxes. And then they played some surround material. And it was stunning how wow. great it sounded after, the, after they had done their thing. It was unbelievable the difference. So I'm, I'm it's totally there. into it. It's just it's, I, it's not within my budget in this room. No, so no, I got you. It for what I I'm think doing. there was there was a point that that Ty made when we were talking about this: the fact that when room correction introduces latency between the kind of action and the the response. So that's something that that I hadn't considered at all, but uh, something to think on. Um, Gaz, what about you? I, I mean, you got a KB thirty-seven. That's something. But I, I think I think I put yeah. uh, something that's blossomed with more use, or perhaps something that's proven you didn't need, but you the, the proven you really don't need that you think you did. So it could be <sighs> the other way around as well, I suppose. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So I mean, um, to answer the first part of that, I think that that like the, as I mentioned at the top of the show, just uh, really focused my kind of module kind of uh, journey just by by just giving me a, a really focused sort of thing, which uh, prior to that, I, I was losing focus with it all. It was all getting a bit overwhelming. So that's, that's really kind of helped. And, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, keeping a fairly tight focus on doing stuff i think is uh yeah so to answer the second part of the question i've created a load of complicated systems here in my studio uh but i keep reverting back to just doing really simple things like i did a little jam online with a cp yamaha yeah, face and, and a pedal and, right 
Uh, yeah, and a pedal, and 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 sort of um, so just sort of stripping things back to just really basic, or just playing my bass through a pedal or something. Um, <laughs> just getting away from all the complexity, really, and just sort of, um, or That's- even just playing on the the acoustic that, guitar you know. that's a, that's an interesting point i did an interview with uh, rachel claudio uh in the late summer uh and she was talking about because she had a very complex setup she did a brilliant ted talk at a performance and one of the things that she was saying is there's this balance between the complexity of the stuff that she needs to deliver and to perform in real time and then the amount of space left she needs for the emotional kind of thing and if she's thinking too much mm-hmm. about the technology the emotion goes out the window so stripping that back i mean i can totally yeah. i totally see that but i mean by the same token like here i've spent this week kind of thinking about workflow changing up the sonic talk stuff so we've got you know prettier graphics and you know all of this kind of stuff and and changing my yeah. my hardware and this this whole thing with the the teleprompter just just to make it it's made it more complicated, but it's made it simpler. So it means that I can just do what I need to do without having to think about what, whether it's going to work or not, because it's trying to make it more repeatable and more, you know, and I think that's kind of important too. But I mean, aside mm. from that, I'm just trying to think if there's anything I've discovered that I didn't, that I well, things that I thought I needed that I don't. I, yeah. I don't know. I, well, an iPad, I don't use an iPad hardly at all, but I've, I've got the purpose for it now because it's, it's now pointing. It's, I'm using it as a spare screen, <laughs> which is kind of pretty basic. But, but yeah, it's it's an interesting time for that. Well, thank yeah. you for those thoughts. Um, I, there was one other thing that I wanted to put in here as well, which uh, which was um, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. This is uh, this is the uh, Schwemann uh, System One Mark Two S One Mark Two, which is a beautiful sounding instrument, and obviously this coincides with the sad news of. Uh, Wawa Schwemann uh, has passed away at age 72 um, and he was a bit of a, he was one of these kind of guys in the industry that unless you'd met him or knew people that knew him, you might not know who he was or what he did, but he was a, he was a big character and people like Ken Macbeth, big fans of his, big friends of his and um, he was, some of the stuff that he made, I mean it was, wasn't the cheapest but it was really characterful and really good. I don't know if anybody's got... Uh, mostly modular stuff. Have you ever come across any of his his things, Rich? I mean, he was quite an obscure uh, manufacturer in that sense, but he was he was a bit of a a giant in in the analog world, very highly respected, and obviously a sad. News, I but. haven't I haven't actually come across any of his gear, but um, from seeing that video and from the look of what he was doing, I kind of get it and knew other people of that sort of ilk who early on were doing those kinds of self contained. Yeah trying you know things and uh and when you tell me that ken uh looks up to him well that's pretty cool so it is well uh, the, the uh live wire, live wire synth says in uh, uh is it the the og the eurorack og because a lot of his stuff was very special i mean and again not not mm. it wasn't the fact that it was uh I think the fact was it was also quite hard to get because he didn't make a lot of this stuff. It was quite a rarity. Yeah. I, have you have you ever used any or heard any of his stuff, Gaz? Ah, uh, I've only ever heard it talked about in sort of reverent tones, you know, <laughs> sort of like, I mean, it, it was always quite, you know, very expensive, I guess, because it was quite... Um, I think a lot of it's well, handmade. It's always seemed handmade, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, you know, uh, but that that's always made it feel a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, exotic and a little bit slightly out. I mean, it's really sad, obviously, that we've lost him, though, because uh, I watched some videos of him and he seemed like he, a, an intense intellectual guy. Um, but I, I, 
I've been looking through the modules and um, there's so many good ones as well that he's made that look just, just look, just, I, would, I can't believe I'm even saying this because my module had sort of lust is literally only happened during a lockdown period um i've gone from sort of being a bit like oh now i'm like going oh let's look at these um and oh wow yeah i mean i was looking at range actually isn't there There there's a range but there's a there's quite a lot which are sold out and uh i'm looking on sorry i'm looking at london modulars collection um and I, I was just thinking, oh, it's, I mean, as, as sad as it is to lose him as a person, it's going to be sad for these products probably to vanish, uh, which are already fairly exclusive. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so sad. It's, but I, I, I missed yeah. it last week and I wanted to point, because I, I did do an interview with him once. Mm. And I remember coming away thinking uh, he was, he, he kind of reminded me of a kind of a, a, a very uh, um, gruff, Russian gentleman who was not particularly easy to talk to and he was quite shy but I mean obviously he was completely <laughs> focused on it but he was sort of a very I think a very intense character as you said but uh, yeah sadly missed um, and, and yeah. far too young um, right we can go rewind now and have a look at the uh, they said this guy it couldn't be done ladies and gentlemen we did it I'm here to announce the world's first Ableton Ethel Studio converter there are limitations, but we'll go into <laughs> everything that it can and can't do in this video. So back in December. Well, we won't because uh, it's quite a long video, <laughs> but this is a really interesting idea. This kind of notion of uh, inter interoperability between DAWs, because one of the things that he's done, I mean, not only has he done that, but he's done this kind of interesting kind of like template generator, which is uh, for FL Studio, Ableton, Reaper, uh, LMMS, which I haven't come across, are just MIDI files. But it also does this conversion, pro he's got this conversion process, which again is not, you know, so you can go for Fruity Loops, which is actually where a lot of people start and may want to mm. go. Uh, to Ableton and Ableton and back. And this is kind of quite a big deal. And this interchange stuff is quite it's difficult because, I mean, Rich, we always, you know, we generally, we have to do it with audio stems, don't we? I mean, that's the way that is the, the way. Or um, have, have you got any experience with the OMF? I mean, does that actually work? I've never, I know, I, I know I've, there are... I've heard that it does. I haven't <laughs> have you personally <laughs> relied on it. Yeah, no. It, and I've, I've seen people show me examples of it working, which is a beautiful thing. Um... But typically, yeah, you render everything as audio from from moment zero and assume that that's the best way to know that it's going to arrive in the condition you sent it. Yeah. And but that's really all you care about is that it arrives in the condition you sent it. Yeah. I suppose the thing is where that may be a difference is if, if you've got a session that, you know, if somebody is working in another one and they've, they've just sort of written the notes effectively and some of the sounds and your job is maybe to remix or revoice or come up with stuff that is different to what, what they have well, or maybe they're really good, fond of the kick or, you know, but, but you want to change. A good old-fashioned MIDI file isn't a bad thing either, but um, the idea that it all has to represent in the original form yeah. in order to get the next guy to do what he needs to do to it. I mean, when you get it back, you can put it back into the thing that was in its original form if that's, you know, that's typically what you'll do. And these days, they don't even often send anything but stems. I mean, usually it's just, you know, four or five stem, stereo stems of a representation of the mix so that somebody can get some work done on it. You know, you're sending it to whatever, the guy who's printing the violins or yeah <laughs> whatever oh know. god but i i'm i'm just having memories of going back to golf rap sessions where somebody would go away to work on a mix that maybe 
didn't get approved, but then they get the stems back from the mix and go, well, I really like the hi-hats or whatever in that. And then that would get brought into the session. And then you'd end up with sort of three different versions of the hi-hats. So you've got the, mar it just ended up being this kind of like, ah, it's become so difficult to manage. That's the only problem I think, but, but mm. I, I don't know. I, you've probably got a fantastic technique for it. I just, I guess folders and, and well, uh, I, I was once involved in a record that we were doing as Sheik with people from Cool in the Gang, and it was going to be a Sheik and Cool in the Gang release in Japan. And we had worked on, they had worked on it, and we had worked on it. And at one point, I sent it to them, and they sent it back with 165 tracks playing, and some of them were playing the same things, panned hard left and right. And um, it took me a full six hours to put the thing in a form that I could go back to and work on it again. Wow. Now, I don't criticize them because I'm sure that whoever was doing it had some concept that, uh, but I can't, I don't want to deal with all of that at the same time. And then you watch a guy like Jacob Collier, who's got, you know, <laughs> with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vocal tracks. And uh, I don't know how he does it. I'd be bouncing things down all day long and hiding them. You know, I can come back and remix them if it's not what I thought I should have, but, but, uh, to look at all of that at the same time is is overwhelming to me. So that's just a personal work of mine. Can't do that. Bounce things down. Yeah, I suppose mm. that's definitely this. Looks cool though. I, I'm not. I've not yeah. done fl Fruity Loops. I've never. That's one of the DAWs. It, oh, that's it, by the way great. That's it. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I watched Avicii wrangle Fruity Loops like nobody's business on a Mac Pro running Windows XP. Um, and he, it was one of the most jaw-dropping displays of creative brilliance I've ever seen by somebody. It was insane watching him operate that. I now return you to your regularly scheduled host. Wow. Okay. So, uh, um, yeah. Sorry, I've just well, got fruity loops for a moment. Yeah. Fruity Loops. Uh, well, you're not meant to call it Fruity Loops anymore, are you? But FL, FL Studio, Studio, you know, is is so many people have have as you say you know like that's how they've learned their skills through fruity loops and i mean i think you can lots and lots of like complete releases have been made in fruity loops but uh i do think that is probably quite a a common a common path to go from fruity loops to ableton so uh actually seeing this um transition uh, translation software it's quite cool because like some people will have like years or even decades worth of uh of of projects so to be able to port them across you know not and them still be kind of flexible parts midi parts etc i mean i completely 100 percent agree with rich any jobs that i'm doing i want them rendered from zero and then you just know exactly everything is synced and bang on however i think um i mean I think this is the thing with a lot of those Fruity Loops parts, they're meticulously programmed. People spending hours and hours and hours creating these um, these complex things. So uh, to be able to then get Do, that has across, it got its, has it got its roots? Has it got its roots in trackers and mod? Was it like an evolution of no, that whole world? No, I think it was for me when I first saw it. It wasn't that long after uh, Rebirth, and it seemed like it had taken the notion of Rebirth and um, and the kind of uh, you know eight oh eight style the step you know, sequence, 60, the sixteen step, the step right, sequence. Okay. Yeah, it, it was more there, it, and and it and it sort of just took that idea and just expanded expanded on that um but it also it ran on 
oh, I think in the early days, I'm not sure, but it was, uh, I think it was shareware or something. It was, certainly was, you know, it, it was easy for people to get hold of. And, um, and I think it also, uh, it it was amazing what you could do with it. And that definitely, definitely tracker influences in, in there, of course. Um, but it, it, I think a lot of users probably felt like recent users as well felt a little bit um, like like it was it was given sort of short shrift. It wasn't being considered a serious platform, which I mean, it, it absolutely can be a completely serious platform. Um, but I seem to remember about ten years ago or something, it became the most popular DAW yeah. more so than Ableton Live for for, for a while. Um, so I'm guessing that the user base is still pretty vast, uh, but it was like you didn't, oh, that was another key thing when it first appeared, similar to Rebirth. You just didn't need anything. You could just run it on just a standard home PC. Yeah, it was like, low, low, yeah, yeah. Audio exactly. interface, but, you know, just using your Sound Blaster card or whatever. And, uh, you know, and it, and I think that attributed a lot to its success because literally you know you can just put it in a load of sound straight away be up and running and making something sound fairly contemporary pretty straightforward so um but yeah i mean yeah it's cool i mean it's it and it's it's still in rude health as far as i know um well they because nice. uh, uh was it personas is it or Akai. no Akai, Akai Akai made the, fire, yeah. the fire controller don't they that's which right. is again is a really is a really good multi-button system and that's designed right. specifically to go with uh fruity loops yeah know. but that sort of backs up my point a little bit in in as much as when that came out what 18 months ago or something two years ago perhaps um was the first dedicated FL Studio controller I think ever made. Maybe I might be wrong about that, but I thought, well, certainly was the most highest profile one. Um, and how many years after the sort of push, uh, and other things as that is so, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just, yeah, I'm not trying to just um, promote FL Studio here, but I think it's really nice that it has survived and that its users are these this you know passionate. Um, yeah, in the in the evangelical DAW stakes, it's get, definitely got its own. Uh, ch the Church of FL Studio is definitely <laughs> it, it, it does. alive. It, it, does. <laughs> yeah. it does. May I say, the first person I ever saw using Fruity Loops was Mark Tinley in a recording studio. Oh, really? Ah. Yep. <laughs> That makes sense. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I think it just it, it works with many people's kind of, you know, just some people click with the the working method. Like with many, I mean, most DAWs now, mm. aside from Ableton, really are pretty much of a muchness. You know, it's more or less kind of NLE with maybe some clip launching, but it's essentially this kind of timeline based event. You know, and and, and Fruit Loops retains the kind of concept of patterns, I think, doesn't it, to a degree? So. Right. Well, I think we got there in the end. Um, thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> uh, it's been uh, it, it, it's been almost an hour, over an hour. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody for uh, for for, the, yeah. <laughs> for this. My system has held up. If anyone's interested in what I was using, actually, I was just just going to throw that up there because I I use this. Uh, this is just the the little thing that I'm using. Basically, it's just a quite a cheap kind of iPad based or small screen based. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, teleprompter. And except I'm not using it for teleprompt. But the real tricky one was 
how do you get the because I, I thought this is great it works and then I looked and everything was backwards and I was like oh no <laughs> I'm never going to be able to make this work but uh, if anyone wants to know oh. how I got that happening I, I can tell them later in in the notes or whatever I'll, I'll this is probably not for the the Sonic talk but I want to say thank you everybody for joining us uh, all of you folks in the chats nice to see you there mm. in the YouTubes thank you very much everybody in the YouTube also in the IRC uh, nice to see you there and also uh, the combination of all of those guys which is and gals which is uh, a lot of YouTube chat, but there's Discord and then there's Twitch, uh, all of those people there as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Rich, thanks for coming along and it's great to see you. I'm looking forward to uh, the next time we get a chance to hook up and we can see more of you now because my thirds are smaller. So I've made them all <laughs> less. They're just less, you know, it looks a bit more pro. There you go. Hey, so now you've got room for your own advertising. There you go. You can put that in there. Lovely to see you, Rich. Have a great week. Nice and, to uh, see you. I hope the snow uh, treats you well and you're not going to be too much uh, snow clearing because we haven't we'll got any fine. here. All right. And no, Gaz, thank you very much for joining ah. us as well. Nice to have you. Uh, I hope you're going to... Are you. you streaming tonight? Uh, I think I I think I will. Yeah, 8 p.m. Um, for the after show. <laughs> right, okay, uh, fair I, enough. Can I just apologise because I appear to have upset people from going on a bit and I, I just, it was uh, earlier. I just, with the KLF though, especially that just... Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. So I apologise if I overstepped my mark there. That's all right. It's one of those things. But that you're obviously something very passionate about. But anyway, that's <laughs> it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody. We will see you all. I will go to our. Uh, let's go to the fours up. We'll see you all next time. Thank you very much for watching. That was Sonic Talk episode six hundred and sixty-six. Bye bye now. <laughs>